welcome to the Alacrial Tarot Podcast, your source for learning all 78 cards in the deck, deepening your understanding and developing your intuition, as well as general advice on your tarot journey. I'm Alacrial, a tarot reader from California, and your host for this podcast. In this episode, we conclude our study of the court cards of the tarot by going over the last suit, swords. We delve into the three scales or spectrums on which the court cards can be evaluated, immaturity versus maturity, elemental associations and signs of the zodiac, and finally, the Myers-Briggs personality types. I also take some time to let you know what's been happening in my life and why there has been such a huge gap between episodes lately. I also briefly highlight some topics which we'll be exploring in upcoming podcast episodes. As always, I hope you find the episode both enjoyable and entertaining, and that you enjoy the show. Alright, so... Getting into it, getting back into it, I guess I should say. It feels like it has been forever since I sat here and recorded an episode for you all. And for that, I do very sincerely apologize. I'm not going to make it a long and drawn-out apology, because every time I've heard other podcasters do that, I always just think to myself, yes, but we're not here for that. We don't care. We're glad that you already posted another episode. Just get to the goddamn content. (laughs) So anyway, I guess I won't, you know, belabor all of that. Um, But anyway, I do apologize for making you wait, and I am back, and hopefully we'll be back with more consistency now. But I just wanted to take an opportunity, because there were some learning um, moments within the hiatus that I had, within the break uh, from recording podcast episodes, and so I wanted to go over a few things that happened, um, and then maybe even do some more in-depth look at some of the topics that came up. Um, firstly, as you may be aware, the period during which I was not producing episodes corresponded rather neatly to the, um, rather intense retrograde season that we were having. A whole bunch of planets have been in retrograde, um, the most notorious of which, I suppose, would have been Mercury. Um, and basically Mercury was in retrograde for the entire month of July. Ordinarily, I find that astrological circumstances don't tend to affect me all that much, and Mercury retrograde has never been something that I've really struggled with or been scared by. However, I guess because of a whole bunch of other planets being retrograde as well at the time, um, and just, you know, maybe garden variety life circumstances also aligning with things, that month, (laughs) July, was hard. I'm not going to lie. That was really, really hard. Um, both in terms of, you know, socially, uh, romantically, job, basically every, like, sphere of your life that could be impacted adversely, it was for me. I had to spend a lot of money on my car, getting that back up to speed, because it basically needed an entirely new braking system. So I know that Mercury affects logistical things and travel and vehicles and stuff like that, too. So that was rather, you know, synchronistic, or I guess, you know, maybe not synchronistic so much as just like, ah, yes, well, we're blaming that on Mercury retrograde, because (laughs) that's definitely a thing. Uh, that we know can be affected as vehicles. So there were a lot of, like, physical circumstances like that that were just way more difficult, and there were also a lot of, like, interpersonal things um, in every arena of life that just got really difficult. Um, So not only did I have to deal with all of those things, as you do, 
But also, I really got a little bit scared. I was like, I don't want to put out content during this period because I'm afraid that it is going to be poorly received or that people will uh, hear what I'm saying and then misconstrue it and, you know, think something else about it entirely. Maybe I'll say something that to somebody sounds off color, um, something that I didn't intend. I don't know, but Mercury Retrograde definitely had me a little bit buffaloed there for a second. So um, not saying that is, you know, entirely why I chose not to put out content during that time, because as I say, there were some life circumstances and stuff going on as well, but it was definitely a contributing factor. Also, just with all of the life difficulties and everything, uh, one of the things that I experienced during this time, and something that I'm just kind of coming off of, uh, was a bout of depression. Now, I am not the kind of person that is going to say or make the claim that I struggle with depression because I think that it is a rather intermittent type of phenomenon that happens for me. Um, On the other hand, I know there are some people that will fault me for describing the difficulties that I have um, psychically or in my psyche as depression, as though there's some sort of gatekeeping going on about the term depression. Or sometimes there's even gatekeeping about, you know, anxiety. But there's also a lot of just, like, general overuse of both terms. Um, So I'm just going to go ahead and say that only you can decide whether you are having anxiety or depression or both. And if it is happening to you, you will know it for what it is in all likelihood. It may take you some time to identify it, but it's pretty unmistakable once it's there. And um, it is characterized by just a, a general feeling of, you know, demotivation and fear sometimes goes into it, both depression or anxiety. And when those mix together in the perfect way, it can be really paralyzing. And so that's kind of what I was dealing with. Fortunately, I have dealt with some of this t- kind of stuff before, and I knew that for me, because my symptoms are usually pretty mild, like, you know, this is not something that I am seeing any kind of professional about. It's not something that I am taking any medication for, uh, I just happen to know that when it does happen to me, that usually it will resolve itself, or usually I can kind of pull myself up by my bootstraps and walk out of it. It can just be really hard, and sometimes that road to recovery uh, is longer than others. And sometimes, you know, you, you start to recover, and then there's a relapse, because maybe some new circumstance just, like, you know, smashes you back down and just shatters what confidence you had built back up for yourself, and then you have to start all over again. So, you know, everybody takes different routes when it comes to recovering from or dealing with these types of conditions and these types of circumstances. So, I hope nobody thinks it insensitive if I say that what I was dealing with was a form of depression, and then also maybe a little bit of anxiety mixed in there as well. Now, I definitely don't want to play the my life sucks more than anyone else's game, because that is obviously a terrible game and nobody wants to play. But yes, I freely admit that my circumstances and my difficulties are not as bad as some. And they're probably worse than a few others out there. But I would say that I am kind of on the light end of that spectrum and uh, uh, with having those particular problems. Fortunately, I am glad to say they don't affect me that frequently. But when they do, I do find them a little bit debilitating. And so that was something that I was dealing with as well. And I really did not feel up to 
putting out quality content for you guys. And you guys are really important to me. I want to make sure that I am giving you something that is worth your time and worth your listening and valuable to you. I don't want to prattle on, you know, endlessly and not teach you anything, not give you a reason to show up and a reason to invite me back into your uh, listening cues. And that's pretty much the update for my personal life and what's been going on there. Um, During the time that I was not producing podcast episodes, I still did put out some content on Instagram. So if you haven't already checked out my Instagram account, do feel free. I'm Tarot on Instagram, and uh, that will all be linked, that information, in the show notes. So if you uh, need some more specific direction, um, please go ahead and take a look at that. And I would love to interact with you on Instagram. It is currently the platform that I am most interactive on, but you can also send me an email at alacrealtarot at gmail.com as well, and I will be glad to respond to that. Feel free to contact me for any reason or no reason at all, ranging from, you know, if you'd like me to do a personal or customized reading for you, or if you just want to say, hey, you know, I enjoy your podcast, or hey, I think this would be a really good idea for you to do an episode on, what are your thoughts on this, that, or the other, I accept all such correspondence, and I am thrilled to engage with all of you. Um, Of course, Patreon members do still get preference, uh, so if you would like to join my Patreon, there are three tiers which you can use to monetarily support me, and you can select the one that is right for you, and I do put up uh, special exclusive content for my patrons, uh, and of course, they get top priority in terms of interacting because they are paying me for my time, and so I want to make sure that I get them taken care of first. Um, But I do value and appreciate you all, and especially your correspondence, So uh, thank you for those of you that have. Also, for those of you that have left me a review on iTunes or whatever podcast listening thing, platform that you guys prefer, whatever podcatcher, I guess is technically the name for it, you guys are listening to me on, if you have left me a review there, I thank you tremendously because this is basically the only way that larger audiences are acquired by podcasts. Um, If they remain, you know, unreviewed and, uh, you know, without any stars attached to them, they're not usually displayed to a wider audience, and it makes them very hard to grow. But I know that this podcast has grown beyond what I originally hoped, although it can still grow even more. Uh, And I do attribute that to Uh, you guys to the efforts that you have put in in terms of review and recommendation to your friends, even just word of mouth. So I really appreciate that, and I wanted to take the time to say thank you. Uh, And if you haven't reviewed, I would love another review from you, because seriously, every review counts. So if you haven't uh, taken the time to give me a review, why don't you go ahead and do that? I will wait right here, I promise. (laughs) You can definitely press resume, and I will still be here for you, but I really do appreciate it. Anyway, if any of what I was talking about in terms of astrology or in terms of depression and my strategies for coping with it uh, were interesting to you, or if you guys would like to hear more about it or just have me, you know, ramble on a little bit more about what's going on in my life and about um, sort of my own witchy journey, uh, feel free to uh, take a look at my Patreon. I do put more uh, kind of personal content behind a paywall because that way I know that um, it's only going to listeners that really do value the content and really want to 
you know, take it in and digest it and think about it um, rather than people that, you know, want to troll. <laughs> I haven't had any problems with trolls so far, and I'm really, really thankful for that. But just kind of, you know, being a little bit cagey because it is kind of more personal, I do tend to put more of the personal stuff behind that Patreon paywall there. It's not a very high paywall, um, but it just makes sure that uh, people that are really invested in the content and that really want it have access to it there. So please feel free if you're not a patron. Uh, I'd be happy to include you among my list of patrons, and you can find the link for that in the show notes as well. But yeah, if these topics are something that uh, you think that you might be interested in hearing me talk more about, let me know, because I may go ahead and do an episode on um, depression or just anxiety or my particular experiences with those things and the strategies that I use to cope with them to see if maybe uh, you have tried them before. I would imagine that at least one or two of the ideas that I have are novel. (laughs) I don't think that they're approaches that have been recommended uh, by anybody. I don't really know... Uh, where the ideas for some of the things that I do came from. Um, I'm not saying that I've got the magical silver bullet solution (laughs) for uh, depression or anxiety, but I would be happy to share with you kind of some of the strategies that I have and some of the things that I do for that. So that might be a topic for an upcoming episode. Or, you know, if you are more interested in some astrological concepts, do let me know because I am not the expert on astrology. However, I would love to have um, an astrologer guest on. Maybe we could do an interview with an astrologer that you guys particularly like the content of. Maybe I could be a guest on their podcast. We can get some sort of collaboration going. And, you know, I'm happy to share what I do know about astrology. Um, I am a student, and I continue to learn. This is not going to ever be a podcast that is first and foremost concerned with astrology, but I still pay attention to it um, for my life, and I do pay attention to it sometimes in conjunction with tarot readings too. So if you are interested in learning more about it, do let me know, and maybe I can get some episodes going where we do have a section or a segment where we take a little bit of more of a look at um, some of the astrological circumstances going on or, you know, some kind of astrology wisdom that might be relevant to our study of tarot. Other than that, upcoming episodes that I am sure of, we will be going next to the Major Arcana, or the Major Arcana, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Uh, Most tarot teachers start there. I'm not exactly sure why, other than that you know, the majors tend to be cards that everybody knows, even people that don't read tarot. The biggest example that I could think of would be like, you know, Hollywood's use of, for example, the death card when that comes up and, you know, being very dramatic uh, in, in film. Uh, so there are, you know, a lot of people out there that have already heard of the major arcana and so it's often a good place to start. And it is also possible to read with nothing but majors when you are getting started and when you are just first learning. Um, so we may cover a little bit about that. Personally, it's not a strategy that I employ. It's not a strategy that I have enjoyed or had much success with. So um, if it works for you, fantastic. More power to you. Continue. Always do what works for you on your spiritual journey. Um, but I'm just saying that for me, it wasn't something that I found really particularly appealing. I liked more the uh, study of the pip cards because I thought they were, you know, sort of foundational and sort of more difficult to get my head around. And then I could sort of take a break um, since the uh, cards of the major arcana tend to be 
really definite or really definable kinds of energies really because they're really big they're overarching type of uh, energies or so they're really they're majors you know these are major life shifts these are major energy shifts in your life um, things that are pivotal moments that or feelings that really affect you profoundly so in a way they're easier to learn and I like doing the easier things last you know if you start with the harder stuff um, you only have a finite amount of will and intention and sort of stick to And so if you expend that early on on the stuff that's harder and the road gets easier as you go along, it's easier to complete. So that was kind of my strategy and why I left the majors for last there. But that is where we'll be going next in the podcast. And we'll probably break that up into... I don't know, probably two, three, maybe four episodes, probably no more than four episodes, because there are several cards to go over. So just however we end up breaking it down, um, and the episodes may be uh, irregular lengths, you know, because we're probably not going to be able to do the same length of time for each each group of cards from the majors. There's probably going to be some that I have more to say on and some that I have fewer things to say on. So um, we'll just have have to see how that goes and kind of play it by ear. Nevertheless, that is where we will be going next in the podcast. Okay, thank you for sticking with me through all of that. I'm sure you are very eager to get to the subject of this episode. So without further ado, let's jump into the Court of Swords. Okay, so first off, we have the Page of Swords. The Page of Swords on our first scale of maturity versus immaturity is, of course, the least mature, being the youngest in the suit. So we may be, of course, referring to somebody that has a physically young age, or maybe that we would consider to be something of like a new soul. Um, And if you've ever met individuals that you kind of slot into, oh, you're an old soul, you're kind of a middle-aged soul, or you're a new soul, uh, you'll kind of know what I mean. They each have a distinctive uh, flavor. I am usually categorized as like a middle-aged or older soul, um, but I know several people that have like brand spanking new souls. It seems like it might be their first incarnation sort of thing, if you uh, if you believe in in that sort of subject. Um, but anyway, the page of swords may be referring to somebody with sort of a young soul or a youthful attitude toward things, or they may in fact be young. Or they just might have an immature, uh, comparatively speaking, an immature way of doing things. But immaturity kind of has a negative uh, connotation to the word. So when I say immature, in this context, I do not mean to convey any of the negative things that immaturity frequently has. I simply mean a more youthful, naive, innocent way of looking at things, as befits sort of the less mature version of uh, the thinking of the suit, if that makes sense. Um, Of course, if we go to our trusty astrology, we know that swords correspond to the element of air, and the air signs are Aquarius, Gemini, and Libra. So we might be speaking about one of those particular signs. Uh, Remember, this could be speaking about their sun sign, or there has been, uh, in recent years, an emphasis from astrologers, at least in the Western traditions, on the rising sign as well. So if you have the benefit of, you know, someone's chart, and if they know what time they're born, they can determine the rising sign. That is to say, the sign that was rising on the horizon when they were born. 
Um, that could be the same as their sun sign. It could be completely different. Um, and some astrologers would argue that the rising sign may even be more important than the sun sign. So if you have access to that, you can factor that into your calculations here uh, when you're thinking about who the Page of Swords might be representing in your life. Uh, so that's something. Finally, taking a look at the Myers-Briggs personality type, which corresponds to the Page of Swords, we get the Page of Swords is ISTP, and they have the following to say about the ISTP personality type. An inquiring mind with a predilection for observation, this personality type finds itself more interested in watching people rather than interacting with them, and with observing how the world works rather than jumping into it. This personality type is often referred to as a mechanic because of its apparent practical rather than emotional or intellectual interest in the workings of the world. On the other hand, the mechanic impulse can be an emotional compensating mechanism for someone who is, or secretly yearns to be, a daredevil or a thrill-seeker in life. And ill-dignified, this type can be prone to symptoms of excessive risk-taking, high levels of stress, nervous fits, and unpredictable mood swings. Likely careers include police and forensics, medical trades, pilots or drivers, athletics, and when we refer to our 16personalities.com resource here, we see that the ISTP is categorized as the, quote, virtuoso type. Um, so their little illustration shows a man dressed in yellow, and he's got kind of a, uh, a power drill in his hand, a hammer on his back, and a wrench in his pocket there. And the little blurb that they have is, Bold and Practical Experimenters, Masters of All Kinds of Tools. So that is kind of what the Myers-Briggs has to say about the ISTP or the Page of Swords. For me personally, when I get the Page of Swords in a reading, the biggest thing, or keyword if you like, that comes through for me is a sense of curiosity, a sense of needing to know how something works. So I definitely can get behind some of the things that the Myers-Briggs personality type, for example, was identifying uh, in this type of person or in this card. Um, it mentions some of the other things that uh, it can mean whenever the card is ill-dignified. So whether that is a reversal or whether that is when it uh, appears in a context in a reading that would kind of put it in a shadowy sort of light. But when that happens for me, for some reason, the keyword that comes to mind there, and I don't remember exactly where I've learned this, but I would say that it pretty much holds true. Uh, when the card comes up ill-dignified for me, I frequently read that as gossip. So if you think about it, what is kind of an immature way of communication? rumors, gossip, um, you know, that sort of thing is definitely an, sort of an unproductive or childish um, bad habit in terms of communication. It doesn't, um, it's not a very high vibe thing to do or to say or to think, and it's not a good way to actually communicate. Um, it's just using words uh, for entertainment and in a way that is possibly damaging. Uh, so in that way, it does have that sort of negative uh, connotation associated with the word uh, immaturity. But perhaps that is why I associate it with like a reversed or an ill-dignified page of swords there. Regardless, the page of swords description, or at least as it appears in the uh, traditional Rider-Waite-Smith, or in my case the Radiant Rider-Waite-Smith deck, um, is a youth of 
uh, kind of ambiguous gender, we're going to assume male, but it really could be female as well, um, has sort of long hair blowing in the wind. We've got a lot of clouds, and we've got several birds in the sky there. Um, the youth is standing on a little clump of land. It looks like it's got some grass on it, but then it also looks like there may be some sand, um, and there's some water around. Uh, he dominates the uh, the image there, but there's a lot of sky. There's a lot of blue in this, and blue is often a color that is associated with the element of air, um, and it is a color associated with, for example, the throat chakra, which is about communication. So it's kind of fitting that there's lots of blue in the court cards. Um, but yeah, he is wearing a white undershirt, a red tunic, and it's got sort of these yellow sleeves, and he's wearing yellow tights and red boots. He's sort of looking off to one side of the image, and he is using both hands to hold a sword on the opposite side of his body. Kind of a graceful pose, and there is, um, you know, some interest into the composition of the image. Uh, the eye is kind of drawn from the lower left-hand corner up the body, and then up the sword and off into the upper right-hand corner of the frame there. Um, so that's basically what the Page of Swords is, what it means, and kind of what it looks like, too. Moving on from the page, we go next to the Knight of Swords. Now, the Knight of Swords, immediately, you can tell, is kind of a terrifying-looking card. Um, it doesn't fill people with the same sense of dread um, or, you know, foreboding as something like maybe the Devil or the Tower or Death, perhaps. Um, but the Knight of Swords is a card that has a lot of implied movement and a lot of action happening. Uh, if you if you were to line up all of the knights uh, in the court cards of all the different suits in tarot, pentacles, cups, swords, and wands, you would find that the swords has the most active-looking knight. He's the swiftest, if you will. And that is because he is charging. The horse does not fit in the frame entirely, um, and it is leaping or charging forward. The man on the back of the horse has his sword drawn, and it is clear that they are trying to get somewhere in a great and terrible hurry. Um, as with the other cards in this suit, uh, or in the in the court anyway, there is quite a bit of blue. The clouds in the sky look a little bit more uh, jagged than the clouds did in the previous card, that being the page. Um, and we seem to have a lot of, the impression is that there's some, quite a bit of wind blowing, like it may be blowing a gale, um, sort of thing, because we've got a tree in the background there, and it's sort of standing at an angle, as though caught in a heavy wind. Now, there is no water visible in this image, and the horse and his rider appear to be traveling over more rocky terrain, um, is the impression that I'm given there. So, already we can see just from the imagery that there is sort of a little bit there, there's been a, a maturation of the theme. Uh, so sort of the softness and innocence that may have been implied from the less mature page of swords has gone, and now we are left with more of the hard, concrete facts, um, swift movement, and really consequential communication that is implied in the Knight of Swords. When the Knight of Swords comes up in a reading for me, I typically think of a messenger, somebody carrying a message, there being news of some sort, or I um, 
I think of somebody that's the type of person to me that is very cut and dried with the way they communicate and really forthright with their opinions. Um, maybe a little bit reckless. Maybe they uh, push their opinions on other people. Um, they don't really have... They're not the sort that I would think are going to be... Um, thoughtfully considering other people's opinions. They're not going to be sitting around the table letting other people handle most of the discussion. They are going to be a driving force in the discussion. And they may appear to be like, oh, okay, I can see it from that perspective. But then they're going to come back around to their point and their deeply held belief. Um, they're probably quite skilled at debate. They may be very persuasive at that. And I'm not saying they won't change their minds or like they're like rigidly going to stick to uh, one idea only, but um, it might take another Knight of Swords to do battle with them verbally or in, a, in, the, in the context of a debate for them to then be on the same page. Okay, I'm, I'm thinking it would take quite a convincing argument to significantly alter the beliefs or opinions of a Knight of Swords type of character. And they're not going to be shy with how they communicate, of course, because this is air and this is uh, about communication associated with the throat chakra, all that good stuff. We are going to have probably somebody that is very good with words um, and may be verbose, you know. They're, they're not going to be shy with, with sharing. Um... So we've kind of covered the uh, the scale of maturity there. That's just the next step up from Paige. Um, we, of course, know already about the air signs, those being Aquarius, Gemini, and Libra, being associated with the element of air. And if we go over to our 78 revelations a minute.wordpress.com, uh, we see that the Knight of Swords is associated with the ESTP type. Their little blurb says, Animated by action and a natural risk taker, this personality type is a doer, a confident and energetic challenge seeker who readily wins the admiration of others by its willingness to take the lead in any initiative. A gifted intellect, this type is possessed of a near-bottomless ambition and on the surface, at least, is an excellent strategist. This type sees himself as a bit of a crusader and his innate inclination to action before analysis, however well-intentioned, can lead to poor decision-making. And ill-dignified, he can be seen as rash, impetuous, and prone to unforced errors. Gambling debts and money problems are not unheard of with this type. Likely career include athletics, police and military, sales and marketing, emergency services like firefighting. And when we go over to the 16personalities.com, they say of the ESTP that this corresponds to the entrepreneur uh, type. So this has a guy dressed in yellow sunglasses and a little sports bag thrown over his shoulder like he might be fresh from the gym. <laughs> it is kind of funny because they're looking at the Knight of Swords more like I look at the Knight of Wands, it seems like to me. So uh, you'll have to decide for yourselves whether or not, you know, that energy is more applicable to swords or more applicable to wands. But when I look at 16personalities.com, they have pictured there basically, and I say this in the most loving sense possible, but they kind of have like a dude bro sort of character <laughs> looking guy there. Um, not that there is anything wrong with dude bros. I have several in my life that I know and love, uh, and they're marvelous creatures, but they're, they are a very specific type, and I think that that's pretty uh, evocative when I use that terminology to describe them, and I don't mean any disrespect, truthfully. 
But yeah, I tend to associate the dude bro more with the Knight of Wands rather than the Knight of Swords, but to each their own. Let me know what you think. <laughs> Basically, this blurb says, smart, energetic, and very perceptive people who truly enjoy living on the edge. So there you go. There are some... Uh, ideas from our internet resources. It seems like the 78revelationsaminute.wordpress.com more agreed with my assessment of the Knight of Swords rather than the 16personalities.com. Um, but, you know, that's ultimately for you to decide. I'm giving you all of this so that you can begin to see the things that show up in your life in these cards, um, and you will have your own ideas, or you will develop your own ideas about which personalities correspond to which of the court cards. Um, so there is quite a bit of decision-making for you to do in terms of uh, which card means what type of person to you, or if you're going to go with the more abstract meaning of like, oh, well, the Knight of Swords means a message rather than, you know, an actual personality type. Like I said, I tend to read the personality types into the court cards. That is to say, the court cards, when they show up, usually represent people for me, but other people do it by reading the more sort of broad overarching concept that they could represent. So it is up to you. Um... Moving on, we've got the Queen of Swords. Now, the Queen of Swords is seated on a beautiful throne. Looks like it is engraved stone. It's got a butterfly on it. It's got a little cherub on it. Um, she has some water pictured in the back there with um, some nice upstanding regal-looking trees. She is on sort of a brownish tan or yellow-looking ground. She has a blue sky above her. There's quite a lot of fluffy clouds in the distance, and there is a single bird sort of flying over her position. She is holding a sword straight up and has a hand extended, and she is looking toward the right-hand side of the frame there. Um, so, yes, and it looks like she's got a really elaborate robe, which is also blue, or a cape, rather, and it is blue, and it has what appear to be clouds uh, on it as well. So, the blue is, again, the color that features the most prominently here, although we do have some red, some orange, and some yellow as well. Now, the queen, of course, represents the third and most mature category on the spectrum of maturity here. Um... Like I have said in some previous episodes, you could consider that the king is just that final, you know, evolution, but really nowadays we tend to look at the uh, king and queen in tarot as being, you know, equal uh, in terms of the level of maturity and authority they wield. It's just how they express it. Um, historically, queens have been more associated with perhaps making more considered decisions, um, perhaps being able to consider more factors um, or think about things in perhaps a more holistic kind of way, whereas the king tends to be more laser-focused, uh, more decisive, uh, less, less inclined to debate or to consider the uh, issue from as many angles, um, you know, in favor more of that clear, concise, cutting uh, decision, finally. Um, so it's not necessarily always true, but remember that the queen is associated with the empress and the 
king is associated with the emperor. Now, this is going to become important when we do go over the majors, um, because we will be discussing the qualities of the empress and the qualities of the emperor, and those are basically expressions of female and male, or that is to say, feminine and masculine uh, ways of expressing power and ways of expressing authority, because there is sort of a distinct flavor to a feminine way of expressing power or a masculine way of expressing power. We will probably, again, at that point, have to give the same boilerplate uh, speech about uh, gender and gender roles in tarot and how uh, the masculine and feminine dichotomy, while not explaining the entire spectrum of, you know, placements on the gender or gender roles spectrum, uh, is still useful, uh, at least in tarot, um, but it is not meant to be limiting, and it should not make you feel uh, excluded if you do not identify as more masculine or feminine, or if you identify as you know non-binary or queer or any of the other number of ways we can express our identities uh, in terms of our role and in terms of sexuality. Um, yeah, but we can get to that a little bit later. Suffice it to say, for now, and in the context of our discussion about the Queen of Swords, this is the type of person, or at least I read this as the type of person, that is very decisive and very uh, good judgment. That is that is what I associate with this queen. In fact, in the card, it looks almost as though she is passing judgment on a situation, but she doesn't look harsh. She doesn't look condemning about it, but she is basically laying out the facts like, you know, this is what I see, this is what is. She is not a woman that invites a lot of debate. When she has spoken, her natural authority and leadership uh, and good judgment ensure that it will be done, sort of thing. Uh, she is a card that carries with her authority and experience and a more feminine way of expressing uh, that authority and that leadership. Like I said, she is associated loosely with the Empress, as all queens in the tarot court are, so when we get to the Empress, you might be able to draw even more connections between the Queen of Swords and uh, the Major Arcana in that way. Now, of course, she is a member of the Suit of Swords, and therefore she is associated with the element of air. So remember, again, those air signs are Libra, Aquarius, and Gemini. According to our online resources, we see that the Queen of Swords is associated with the type ISTJ. That is to say, like its ESTJ counterpart, the King, this personality type is pragmatic, practical, results-oriented, and a natural-born organizer and a duty-fulfiller. It takes great pride in bringing about order from chaos and harmony from disunion, and because of this it demands loyalty both in the workplace and at home. This type can be stubborn, but often in pursuit of a greater good, and because it emphasizes committee above all else, it will go to great lengths to avoid conflict with others unless provoked. Ill-dignified, this type can seem unethical and amoral in dealings, and sometimes can be overbearing or even threatening unless it quote-unquote gets its way in its relationships with others. Likely careers include attorneys or judges, military or police, business and administration, and consulting or human resources. So there you can see kind of what I was describing with uh, some of the keywords that I might associate with the Queen of Swords there. And if we go over to 16personalities.com, 
we see that the type that they talk about as the ISTJ, they call it, they call the ISTJ the logician. Practical and fact-minded individuals whose reliability cannot be doubted. And the little character they have there looks rather like a college professor. He's got sort of blue glasses and a, a blue cardigan on. He's holding a pen and some sort of either a clipboard or a book. The logistician. <laughs> logistician. That is a difficult word to say. But yes, 16personalities.com calls the Queen of Swords, or the ISTJ personality, the logistician. Okay, so our last card in the Suit of Swords is the King of Swords. Obviously, the King of Swords represents the third and final tier on the maturity spectrum, so we are talking about an individual that is not necessarily young, if we go with the physical interpretation, or, you know, we're probably talking about somebody with a more mature way of looking at things, um, so maybe an older or a middle-aged soul rather than a new soul or a young soul there. Of course, because it is a member of the suit of air, or the suit of swords, which is associated with air, we are talking about somebody that could, astrologically speaking, be associated with the signs Aquarius, Gemini, and Libra. And finally, uh, the keywords that I would give you for the king are very similar to the queen, but like I said, this person is going to go about expressing the way they do authority in a more masculine way. Um, whatever that may mean for you, in fact, because your experience with the exercise of masculine authority versus feminine authority may be different from my own. Um, but I do think that it is useful that we make the distinction between male and female, the masculine and feminine, because these are two sort of poles or modalities uh, by which, uh, or, or that can flavor the expression of authority. And like I said, I tried to give you sort of my perspective on that, um, the feminine approach being a little bit more um, all-encompassing or holistic, whereas the male or the masculine is a little bit more laser-focused and a little bit more, like, cut straight to the point and not worry about some of the more extraneous details, or it doesn't consider as many details um, in pursuit of the end goal because the end goal is more important and getting there with speed and efficiency is perhaps more valued than taking more factors into consideration. But those are just my experiences with how masculine and feminine approaches to the exercise of power and authority might show up in the cards. Your experiences may be different, and therefore your mileage with uh, some of my thoughts on this may vary a little. Anyway, uh, the king is likely an older man or a mature man, uh, either in terms of the, you know, the age of his soul or his physical age here on the earth. Um, he is going to have quite a bit of authority. His opinion is going to mean something. Um, he, like the queen, may be rather cutting in terms of like how he speaks. Um, he is somebody that is not going to be easily debated with. Um, his authority, once he has made his statement, is pretty absolute. There's not a lot of room for negotiation with the king of swords there. Um, and yeah, just kind of, I mean, I don't know, for some reason when I'm thinking about the king and the queen, I'm thinking about like, yeah, militaristic type of authority, like drill sergeants sort of thing. Um, I don't have a lot of personal experience with drill sergeants, but I know that just very regimented, very disciplined, very this is the order, now carry it out type of vibe uh, to it. That could be associated a little bit there with the uh, king or the queen of sorts. 
So, going to our handy-dandy online resources, the 78revelationsaminute.wordpress.com says this of the King of Swords. It says, practical and pragmatic, this personality type issues idealism for matter-of-factness in thinking and problem-solving. Detailed analysis is for others. In a social setting, this type is a doer, decisive in his actions and highly results-oriented. More interested in justice than in fairness, this type adheres to a code of standards guided more by efficiency than equity, and he expects the same of others. Ill-dignified, he can be amoral insincere and ruthless in his dealings with others, and thus give the impression of being two-faced and unreliable. Likely careers include police, judge, military, sciences, administration, or sales. So you can see kind of some of the things there, uh, again, that I was talking about when talking about the king and the queen of swords. I guess I didn't go over um, what they might be like in the ill-dignified, but I think this one nailed it quite a bit. The king and the queen, when they appear upside down, are just Ugh, they're just, they're, I mean, the the queen when she's upside down is the sort of person that you'd be like, well, just why are you being just so bitchy so needlessly? And the king is going to be the same thing. Like, if, if the king appears upside down, um, basically, anytime that happens, I'm looking at an abuse of power or an abuse of, th- of authority. This is somebody that has... Uh, got drunk off his own ability to shape things according to his will. Um, And oftentimes, uh, a lot of arrogance is associated with that. Um, So so yeah, when the king and the queen appear upside down, uh, their application of authority is often abusive in that way. When the knight appears upside down, backtracking a little bit here, sorry about that, but when the knight appears upside down, um, if we're going with the messenger type of uh, analysis, I get that, you know, there's been a delay or there is a halt in the message, there's been a stop in the flow of information, but I usually don't go with the message type of thing. Normally, like I say, court cards to me are people. So when it's upside down, the knight of swords is very like the king or the queen of swords in that this is not a nice person. It's not somebody whose opinions you want to listen to because they're just so forceful with them. And so just like, I'm right, you're wrong, that's the end of the story. Um, And so that doesn't really, for me, I wouldn't be able to stand this type of person. But the difference is they don't necessarily have the authority to back up uh, their opinions. Or they don't have the, maybe their opinions are the right ones, but they're so, like, just disdainful that you don't want to listen to them. But you don't have to. They don't have enough authority behind them to make it necessary that you should swallow their opinions. The maddening thing about the King and Queen of Swords is frequently they do hold positions of authority over us. So even though they're being you know, horrible people, and they are abusing their power and authority, we have to listen to them, or we have to take on board what they're saying, or, you know, face the consequences of not doing that, which, you know, if you're hap- if that's happening, like, in the context of a job, that might mean you're fired. If that's happening uh, in the context of, you know, um, oh, I don't know, a government employee in a government office, that means that you might not get approved for your application for X, Y, or Z. Or, you know, maybe if you're going to the bank and asking for a loan, that means you won't get uh, approved for the loan. So it's unfortunate, but when we do get those types of cards in reversed uh, in the king and queen category, they affect us more than, for example, the, uh, the knight in reverse there. And so then I know we went over it already, but just because we are talking overarchingly about reversals right now, the page, when it is reversed, you can see kind of how it is one of the easiest reversals to handle in terms of uh, the 
court of swords there because it's really just more about gossip and it's about uh, damaging uh, types of communications, but it's not um, those really toxic opinions um, or toxic opinions backed up by authority that we have to listen to. So as you go up the maturity spectrum uh, in reversed uh, court cards in the suit of swords, the consequences get more and more severe, is my point there. I hope that was clear. Sorry we took sort of a circuitous route to explore all of that. Anyway, come back with me to the uh, King of Swords there. We were just ready to take a look at the 16personalities.com website and see what it has to say about the ESTJ, which is what it identifies as the King of Swords type is. So the ESTJ. The ESTJ is identified as the executive. That is the little... uh, little name that they give their character over there is this woman that has a uh, ruler or a yardstick and she's sort of holding it in a fist of one hand and sort of bringing it down onto the open palm of the other as if to say yes i am in power i am in authority here she kind of looks like a school teacher that's ready to thwack you with a ruler you know back in the days when corporal punishment was a thing um she is wearing a bun in her hair and she has blue glasses on and is in some sort of blue dress with high heels It says this of their little executive character. Their blurb says, Excellent administrators, unsurpassed at managing things or people. So there you go. I think it's interesting that their uh, person, uh, their little animation or their little, you know, their little figure that they have to describe uh, the ESTJ type uh, is actually holding something that looks a little bit like a sword, you know. <laughs> um, it, it definitely draws that connection there. So if you do look up the 16personalities.com and you can read the more in-depth versions of each of these little blurbs that I'm giving you, you'll see what I mean. But um, she's a rather interesting looking one there. Uh, so yeah, that finally and at long last covers the court cards from the suit of swords. Sorry that took so long to get to you guys, but there we are, there we have it. We have made it through. We have studied all of the tarot court. So next, we get to go on to the easier in some ways, not in others, because there is still a lot of meaning to mine out of it, and we're going to have a lot of discussions still going forward. But we get some of the exciting tasks and the exciting topics of going through the majors, or the major arcana. So that will be coming up next. Of course, do let me know if you want any additional kinds of episodes or if there are any questions that you guys are having or if you're thinking that you want to explore a specific card or a specific grouping of cards more, do let me know. I am very open to suggestions when it comes to, uh, you know, topics for episodes and the direction we might have the podcast go. Uh, Do please let me know. And yeah, thank you so much. And there we have it. What did you think of the Court of Swords? Did you have a favorite from among the four cards we covered today? How about a favorite court from among the four suits of the tarot? In closing, I'd like to make a special thank you to the incredibly talented Dylan Craig for providing the music for our show. If you would like to collaborate on a musical project or book a recording session with him, please see his contact information in the show notes. As always, please feel free to contact me via email at alacrealtarot at gmail.com, that's A-L-A-C-R-A-E-L-T-A-R-O-T at gmail.com, with questions, comments, and general thoughts. I happily read for clients both near and far, and if you are interested in booking a reading, please feel free to reach out. 
If you enjoyed the show and would like to help keep it going, please consider becoming a patron. All patrons receive extra weekly content, ranging from blog posts to additional podcast episodes to tarot readings and tarot scopes. You can also connect with me on Instagram and YouTube at Alacrial Tarot. Thanks again for listening, and blessed be. Thank you.